It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 856 for the 3rd of November, 2023. This week, artificial intelligence is something Adobe has been working on for several years, and this year's advances mark the beginning of what seems likely to be an explosion of advanced capabilities. In short circuits, Adobe pointed to some of its plans for future projects at the annual Max conference in Los Angeles. The sneak peeks could easily be mistaken for pure magic. If your Windows computer hasn't yet updated to version 23H2 and you'd like it to, the process is both quick and easy. And 20 years ago, only on the website, in 2003, Apple released another of its big cat operating systems, Panther, and I was quite impressed by what it could do. Adobe's work on artificial intelligence is breathtaking. Granted, the company has been working on AI for several years, but the introduction of Firefly earlier this year and its rapid advancement across many of the company's applications has been faster than many of us expected, certainly faster than I expected. And as I'll describe in short circuits later in the program, it appears the process is set to accelerate. One new feature in Lightroom and Lightroom Classic is a renamed control that is now called Color Mixer. Previously, this section included hue, saturation, and luminance adjustments. The user could select red, orange, yellow, green, aqua, blue, purple, or magenta, and control the color or hue, the amount of color or saturation, or the brightness, luminance. These controls still exist, and there is still an eyedropper that allows the user to select a color from the image and adjust any of the three settings. The disadvantage to the HSL controls is that they affect the entire image and they could not be used with Lightroom's powerful masking. The new point color adjustment can be used to modify the entire image, but it's also replicated in the masking section. The eyedropper tool selects the color that will be modified, but changes are applied only in the masked area. If, for example, I want to change the color of foliage in a photo of a gray cat to make it appear that the picture was taken in the autumn instead of summer, masking the background allows me to shift the colors without making any changes to the cat. You'll see that on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Artificial intelligence is being added to more than just Lightroom and Photoshop, but I'm going to limit this report to only the photo applications. So let's say we have a photo of a house in a valley. It's a nice enough house, but maybe we'd like the image to have a larger stone house. After drawing a selection around the house, I can tell Firefly's generative fill to replace the house with a stone castle. Well, then I might decide that I'd like more of the creek to be visible. That can be accomplished by selecting the embankment in the image that you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and once again using generative fill without providing any guidance. And finally, I'd like the image to be horizontal instead of vertical. Well, here's a job for generative expand. Using the crop tool, I simply add space on the left and right sides of the image, and Firefly expands the mountains in the background and the creek in the foreground. 
like I said at the outset, breathtaking. So let's give Lightroom Classic and Photoshop a slightly larger challenge. I had a photo of Chloe Cat that I wanted to use for a Facebook post, but the original image was from a smartphone in bad light. The cat was too small in the image, and she was behind a footrest. Zooming in still left some of the footrest. I wanted more cat at the lower part of the image. It also accentuated the JPEG artifacts and made a blue box in the background even more obvious. There was also a horizontal line in the background that looked like it went right through the cat's head. After cropping and making a few other changes in Lightroom Classic, I edited the image in Photoshop. Generative Fill took care of the blue box and the horizontal line. I also used Generative Expand to extend Chloe's body where the footrest had been. But the roughness of the image was still present. One of the relatively new Nero filters removed the artifacts and left me with a very workable image. I have wondered from time to time what a cat would look like wearing a crown. Most cats probably feel they should be wearing crowns. So I pulled out another photo of Chloe, drew a selection around the top of her head, and then typed the prompt golden crown with jewels fitted to cat's head. It took several iterations to get the effect I was looking for, but you'll see the example image on the TechBiter Worldwide website of Queen Chloe I. Or perhaps you'd wonder what it would be like if you looked up and saw a mythical red and blue dragon flying above your neighborhood. You'll see the image on the TechBiter Worldwide website that is what Adobe thinks it might look like. Now, you might say this image doesn't look very realistic, but consider this. Dragons don't exist. So how could a realistic-looking dragon be portrayed? I wanted to try a couple of modifications using a bush from Inniswood Metro Gardens. The image is horizontal, but what if I needed a vertical image? Well, here's another job for Generative Expand. Drag the top boundary up and click the Generate button. All three of the possibilities, and I show them all on the TechBiter Worldwide website, would work well. Just pick the one you like, or if you don't like any of them, do it again. And last, I wanted to try something that would be far more difficult. I started with two images, one that has a gravel path with a wooden fence leading around some foliage. The other is the bush from that previous attempt. There's a path in the background. There's little in common between the two images, but let's see if they can be joined. I drew a selection area that spanned some of each image and the blank space between the images. Then I told Firefly to generate a transition. The result, while not perfect, is surprisingly good. The result could be improved by selecting the path in the background of the image of the bush and having Firefly replace it with grass. Then I might select a bit of grass in the image on the left and have Firefly extend the gravel path into the newly generated section of the image. What we're seeing is the ability to modify images in ways not possible before or at least not possible unless the person making the changes was an incredibly talented airbrush artist. The fact that Firefly can perform complex airbrush jobs that would take hours, convert it to a task that takes only a few seconds, and create a result that would be better than what the airbrush artist could do is simply astounding. 
A day or two later, I revisited the combined image and repeated the process that I've already described. Then I selected the sidewalk in the right part of the combined image and replaced it with grass, and selected the grass in the left part of the image and extended the gravel path into the second image. You'll see the result on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And Adobe has also added a lens blur effect to Lightroom Classic. Keeping the main subject in focus and allowing the background to fall out of focus is a good way to keep the viewer's attention on the subject. I had done a pretty good job of this with an image of a sculpture in front of the old Worthington Library building. But the flowers and cars in the background were still, I thought, distracting. Although I could have used generative fill in Photoshop to eliminate the clutter, I chose instead to use the new lens blur effect in Lightroom. The result serves well even though the process isn't perfect. Take a look particularly at the left edges of the bushes where the pavement is visible further back. That shows some pretty obvious signs of manipulation. Another object might be to use the lens blur effect and then to transfer the image to Photoshop where generative fill can finish the job. And you'll see that image on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Does it lie? Well, yes it does, but there is no intent to make the image anything more than it is, a depiction of a statue in front of a library. Consider the way our eyes work. Standing in front of the library, you would see the statue. Your eyes would also see the clutter in the background, but your brain would discard it as non-essential information. So, no harm, no foul. I see a difference here. This differs from an image in which two people are composited together in an attempt to show a relationship that does not exist, and that's where the danger lies. Although images have been able to lie from the day photography was invented, this technology makes it much easier for anybody to create fakery. As humans, we need to fine-tune our skepticism, starting sometime last week. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, as amazing as Adobe Max was this year with all the new AI features, it would be tempting to say, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's because you ain't seen nothing yet. Firefly, for example, is less than a year old, and it's already at version 2. Adobe has been working on AI for several years with content-aware fill and other features that aim to automate boring tasks and drudgery that nobody really wants to do. A good example of this is removing a distracting element in a photo. Doing this manually can be done with a clone tool, and it's easy enough, but it is time-consuming, no fun, and boring. Content-aware fill was a great start, but generative fill is a gigantic improvement despite its current limitations. 
The annual Max program always includes a section called Sneaks, in which Adobe chooses 10 projects that its developers are working on and shows features that might be included in next year's updates or may vanish without a trace. The fact that they have to select 10 should tell us something. Clearly, Adobe's developers are working on more than 10 new features. You may wonder what made the cut this year. Well, wonder no more. Here's a very quick look at all 11 of the 10 new projects. Project Fast Fill. Generative Fill comes to video. Well, that one was pretty obvious. If Generative Fill can be used with still photography, why not video? Well, there are lots of why nots, but possibly the most obvious is the amount of data required to modify 30 or 60 frames every second or how to maintain continuity from one clip to the next. In some ways, this is the modern equivalent of creating a mat, as has been done in motion pictures for nearly a hundred years. Number two, Project Draw and Delight. Creating a storyboard is an essential step for any video project, but it's also helpful for other processes that include visuals. Adobe Firefly can already take a prompt, such as show me an orange cat on a leather chair by a window, and turn it into a remarkable visual. But this project's objective is to allow the human to draw a rough sketch, sometimes an extraordinarily rough sketch, and then use that information along with the description to provide various images. Number three, Project Neo. Those who create 3D mockups in Illustrator will be delighted by Project Neo. It converts two-dimensional drawings to 3D and manages to handle perspective without requiring the user to master the complex process of creating perspective grids. The goal seems to be making the program work the way the user thinks it should work when an object is overlaid or combined. Number four, Project Scene Change. This was probably the most mind-bending project shown in Sneaks. It primarily involves compositing two videos, one of a subject walking, the other of an office. The subject is isolated in the first video, and both perspective and motion are modified in the combined video to create a realistic effect of a person walking through an office. This is obviously magic because it's clearly impossible to do what the demo showed. And that was just the start. The developer was also able to composite video of him walking around objects such as a coffee cup on a desk, even though the camera motion didn't even come close to matching between the two shots. Number five is Project Primrose. What if your clothing could display messages or change patterns or color? Or what if your curtains could change? Research scientist Christine Dirk wore a dress that changed in appearance at the push of a button, or randomly, based on her motion. Watch for this in upcoming fashion shows. Number six, Project Glyph Ease. Project Glyphies uses generative AI to create stylized and customized letters in vector format, which can then be used later and even edited. In plain English, that means you can see a typeface, capture three letters for reference, and allow Adobe AI to generate the rest of the letters in the alphabet. The resulting images work just like any other typeface. Number seven was called Project Posable. 
It's another 3D application that eliminates the need to learn how complex 3D imaging applications work and allows the user to design 3D prototypes and storyboards. The software can create various angles and poses of individual characters and modify how the character interacts with surrounding objects in the scene. If number eight becomes viable, it's going to be popular. Project Res Up. So old television programs were shot on film that was converted to video. These old programs shot on film can be released in HD video simply by rescanning the old films. But what about programs that were shot in standard NTSC video? What about old home videos? Well, Project ResUp is a video upscaling tool that uses diffusion-based technology and artificial intelligence to convert low-resolution videos to high-resolution videos. If you have any blurry old videos, there is hope for them. There's Project Dub Dub Dub. This is probably my third, well, this is impossible, project. It uses generative AI to translate and dub voices in a motion picture into 70 languages. No big deal. But what if the dubs were rendered in the voices of the actors? Replicating voices is something that worries me. But what if I spoke German and could watch the Maltese Falcon in German with the voices of Humphrey Bogart and Mary Astor? As scary as this is when thinking about those who would use the technology to create disinformation, it is still remarkable for those who simply want to enjoy motion pictures in their own language. Not being able to speak the target languages, it's unclear how good the translations are, how well the translations handle idioms, but it's a start. Does this concern you? Well, if it does, there's a Washington Post article I think you should read, and I have a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Number 10 is Project See-Through. If you've ever taken a photograph through a window, you have encountered a problem that Project See-Through can fix. There are lots of reflections that obscure what you want to see. Project See-Through is an object-aware editing engine that can fill in backgrounds, cut out outlines for selection, and blend lighting and color. And number 11. Adobe always says 10 and they always show 11. This project Stardust. Moving an object from one place to another in a photo can be done, but not easily. At least, not yet. What if you could just select one or more people, pick them up, and move them? That's what Project Stardust is all about. The future is absolutely astonishing. If you'd like to see these previews in action, check out Adobe's Sneak Session. There's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and you can watch the entire program. Which of these are going to be with us a year from now? Microsoft has started pushing this year's Windows feature update out to computers, but not everyone who wants the update has received it. It is easy to obtain if you want it. If you're opposed to the update, well, just skip the rest of this program. Version 23H2 does contain several useful features, but you may not need these features, or you may not want them. But if you do want or need the new features and haven't yet received the update, here's how to get it. You'll want Microsoft's Windows 11 Installation Assistant, which you can download from Microsoft's website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The file is small, so the download will take only a moment or two. 
Next, double-click the file you've downloaded and start the update process. When it's complete, open Windows Settings and confirm that the Windows version is now reported as 23H2. The most significant new feature in Windows 23H2 is Copilot, which I wrote about on the 20th of October. To display Copilot on the taskbar, right-click any blank area in the taskbar and choose Taskbar Settings. Make sure that the Copilot toggle is turned on. The icon will then appear on the taskbar. Copilot includes several AI-powered tools that assist with various tasks such as coding, writing, and searching. In last week's blog entry, I needed to create two columns side-by-side -side to compare input and output from a service. Instead of writing the code myself, I asked Copilot to do it. The code was workable, and I made only a couple of changes to make it do exactly what I wanted it to. Copilot is being developed by GitHub, OpenAI, and Microsoft, and it can be used in Microsoft 365 apps such as Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, and Teams. A separate version, Microsoft Sales Copilot, connects to customer relationship management systems such as Salesforce. No matter what version of Windows or any other operating system you have, you can check out 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. In 2003, Apple released another of its big cat operating systems, Panther. I was pretty impressed by what it could do. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session.